0: Welcome to today's edition of the Clay Travis and Buck Sexton Show
1: podcast.
2: Welcome in. Hour number three, Clay Travis, Buck Sexton Show, Monday edition. Hope all of you had fantastic weekends. Big week. Buck Sexton is going to get married on Saturday. It's kind of a big deal. And uh, congratulations to Buck in advance. You will be, as a result, on your honeymoon during the Super Bowl, which will be played between the Eagles and the Chiefs. Congratulations to people out there who are Eagles fans and
4: Chiefs fans. I just want to say, Clay, even if I have to, like the smart guy from Gilligan's Island, find some wire and coconuts... On the island, I'll be in in the Pacific. I'll watch that Super Bowl. Somehow.
2: Do you think they will show the Super Bowl where you are going to be? Like, do you think? Let's presume that I don't even know what the time zone difference is, but let's presume you were a diehard sports fan. Do you think you'd be? You're going to be in Bora. I don't. How big is Bora Bora? Did I just like? There's like a hundred people there, and I gave, I have no idea how big this
4: island that you're going to be on is. I mean, I was just going to leave it South Pacific because that's a large area, Clay. But anyway, <laughs> it's
2: a small I don't think island. It's very, I, I think that there has to be thousands uh, and thousands of people on uh, on holiday, on vacation, whatever out there. Do you think you could find it? Do you think it airs on that island in the South Pacific?
4: Yeah, I, I, would, I would think so. I would think so. Look, I'm still reeling from the knowledge that my beloved Cincinnati Bengals failed to pull it out last night. Now that you just told me this, it's very sad for me.
2: Lots of officiating controversies built into this, but that ties in very well with the audio that I want to play you. All right, so Cincinnati has a young mayor, and I don't even know exactly. Let me see if I can get his name right. Um, he's only been in office for a short period of time, um, and he's his name is Aftab puraval I might have gotten that wrong. I believe he's of South Asian descent. Uh, Aftab puraval relatively young guy, around forty years old. Uh, is only recently elected as mayor. Okay, Buck. He is under a tremendous amount of fire right now because he delivered. You know, it's not uncommon for politicians. For instance, I saw our friends J.D. Vance and Josh Hawley, senator from Ohio, senator from uh, uh from Missouri. I think also Roger Marshall, senator from Kansas, got involved. Kansas City Chiefs versus Cincinnati Bengals. I think they bet barbecue or something along those lines. Not uncommon for politicians to make wagers with mayors, governors, anything else like that. I have never heard this level of trash talk. This was an official statement put out by Cincinnati's mayor before the game, Buck. You haven't heard this at all. I don't know how many of you heard this, but he is under immense fire because the Bengals go on to lose and... They actually took the mayor's trash talk to
5: heart. Listen to this. I have a proclamation from the desk of the mayor. Be it proclaimed, whereas the Cincinnati Bengals are headed to Head Stadium for their second consecutive AFC championship game. Whereas at last year's game, the Bengals scored more points than the Chiefs, resulting in a Bengals victory and the Chiefs' loss. Whereas Joseph Lee Burrow, who's 3-0 against Mahomes, has been asked by officials to take a paternity test to confirming whether or not he's his father. Whereas all season long, Cincinnati has been on a path of destiny, fighting it out to overcome anyone who stands between them and a Super Bowl win. And whereas Kansas City, is named after its neighboring state, which is, you know, just kind of weird. Now, therefore, I, Aftab Piraval, mayor of the city of Cincinnati, do hereby proclaim January 29th, 2023, as they got to play us day in Cincinnati. Okay, Buck, I don't know how much of that you picked up on. For people out there who may
2: not, he called it Burrowhead Stadium. All right, Arrowhead Stadium is the name of the stadium in Kansas City. And Joe, Joe Burrow is the quarterback. So that's pretty heavy uh, level of, of a trash talk. He also said the paternity test line whether the Cincinnati Bengals quarterback needed to uh, be, uh, you know, the, the test to see whether or not he was Patrick Mahomes' father. Now, immediately after the game, Travis Kelsey, who is a star tight end for the Kansas City Chiefs, had a very good game as he always did, does, called out the Cincinnati mayor on the stage. Listen to this.
5: God, man. <laughs> <laughs> Woo! My ass. Woo! It's Mahomes House.
2: Alright, he also said, and maybe we can grab the other audio. He called out the mayor and told him to stay in his lane and called him a jabroni. Uh the crowd went crazy. <laughs> this is now we need to grab that one too. It's on my Twitter feed if the crew can grab it. Is Cincinnati's mayor in political peril now? Over because everybody's saying that his trash talk helped to motivate. And I think if you hear this Travis Kelsey audio, it clearly did. Like they all knew what he had said. He calls out the mayor specifically during the celebration. I actually think that the city of Cincinnati is so Bengals crazy. I actually think the mayor is in some political peril here <laughs> over trying to trash talk and doing such a bad job of it.
4: I don't know that I've ever heard a politician trash talk like that before. I, I, I agree. I, I, I'm telling you, it is a common. first. Um, yeah. I, I, is there are people upset about this? Is oh. that where this is? Is there oh, a lot of controversy over the let me guess the, the the paternity line got him into is that is that what got him into trouble? Oh, What's I, getting I
2: don't him- think I, I don't think it's so much like the politically incorrect nature of anything that he said, because, I again, it was just kind of trash talk it was the fact that he basically you know it's like you poke a tiger right like they're already ironically i guess since they're the Bengals they're all, you're going into a tough environment already you never want to say like oh the stadium's overrated the fans are overrated the quarterback's overrated it's a big game like everybody wants to win if you want to talk a little bit of trash after you win maybe and it was a close to hard fought game went down to basically the final play but in the immediate aftermath, and we need to—I need to play the Travis Kelsey uh, audio for you, which is on uh, my Twitter feed. But as they are handing him the championship trophy for the AFC, he goes full WWE old school WWF wrestling heel promo, um, and like the—if you checked, he, the mayor was trending last night, which is never a good sign for the mayor of a city. And I went in just to go read the mentions. And it was all Bengals fans just eviscerating him. So I oh, so they're bla- think- they're
4: like blaming oh, yeah. him for the loss,
2: as well. Yeah, was- they're like, "You idiot! Why did you do such a ridiculous viral trash talk
4: proclamation?"
2: You know, it's one thing if you're like, "Hey, I'll bet you." I mean, come I th- on! Th- like,
4: th- do adults really need to be told that it doesn't matter what the mayor says? I that these actually are professional but here's athletes. my argument.
2: I think the mayor's statement did motivate the Chiefs more than they otherwise would have been. And so, I have, I, do we have this audio now here? Cut 27. Here's what happened in the immediate aftermath. If I'm running against this mayor in Cincinnati, Buck, this is in my first advertisement. Listen.
5: Wise words for that Cincinnati mayor. Know your role and shut your mouth, you jabroni. You got to fight for your right. Now,
2: granted, Travis Kelsey is not exactly an esteemed uh, uh, you know, debate participant here. But I actually think that this mayor is going to bear some uh, electoral blame over this. People well, are he,
4: furious. They want somebody he to be up for
2: reelection? A couple of years. I, th- I don't yeah. know. I'm not an expert in the Cincinnati mayoral politics.
4: He's not. A, no one's going to remember I think that he, he
2: talked. If my team lost a close game and our idiot mayor, and we do have an idiot mayor here in Nashville... I would not put it past him. If our idiot mayor did something that I thought made it more likely that he would, that, that my team lost, I would not vote for him. I, th- I, I'm not even kidding about this. I think he's going to have electoral significance for, uh,
4: for this guy in Cincinnati. I, I have more faith in the voters Three of Cincinnati year- than for them to care about the trash talking of the mayor. But if you're again- in
2: Cincinnati and you agree with me or Bach 800-282-2882, we can have some fun with this. Um, so, I've never heard... Have you ever heard anything like that? You are a casual fan, at best, of things like this. Have you ever yes. heard a mayor say anything that aggressive?
4: No. I do remember, back when I used to watch uh, the NBA, that there were very... Because if you were a, Knicks, a long-suffering Knicks fan, uh, you had many close calls where they got you know the Eastern Conference Finals, the loss of the Pacers, or something like that. And they should have won. They never won a championship. But I remember... That there were people who were blaming Spike Lee for uh, getting up in Reggie oh, yeah. Miller's face, totally. And but now that I can see, because that's face to face on the court, because Spike Lee was co- always sitting courtside, and people said that he antagonizing Reggie Miller got Reggie Miller, who at that point was one of the best three point shooters of all time, got him in the zone, and the Knicks lost. You know, I, I, think, I, do remember I think there that's was that cut, but he wasn't true. the mayor.
2: I think that's 100 percent true. I think Spike Lee might have cost the Knicks a finals uh, a, you know opportunity appearance, yeah uh, in that uh, in that series because if I remember correctly the Pacers advanced and played against the Bulls instead, yeah, that was a tough one in game seven when your Knicks lost to the Houston Rockets back in the day.
4: yeah, and I do remember wasn't there a guy was it the the Cubs? Now we're, sorry folks we're t- oh, my Steve sports Bartman. knowledge
2: what what Steve Bartman? Reached out and kept the yes. ball from being caught.
4: Yes. Wow, you know the name of the guy, right? Oh, oh of I mean, he's
2: you do. he's he's an iconic. But now the Cubs have won a World Series since, so I think it lessened some of the uh, the sting of that uh, defeat. But he reached out in a game against the Florida Marlins. My, I, I think they're the Miami Marlins now. I can barely keep up. But, um, but yeah, he reached. I don't remember which one they were at the time. But he reached out over the field after a foul ball, and he basically has gone into hiding. I mean, the reason why that guy's kind of famous is he's never done an interview. He vanished from, like, basically being able to be tracked anywhere. This is in a pre social media era. Because I think that was, if I remember correctly, like, o two or 03. Um, and I don't think he's ever spoken publicly in 20 years since that actually ended up happening because he became the villain of why the Cubs lost in that postseason. So they made that catch in theory. They would have uh, they would have gone on and uh, and won a championship, in theory. But yeah, you're right. Occasionally, that does happen. That the fan becomes sort of an iconic part of the overall lore of the of the of the team. But the Cubs have gone on and won a championship since.
4: So who's going to Mr. Clay Travis? Who's going to win this Super Bowl that my beloved Kansas City Chiefs are in?
2: Well, first, I'm excited to be out in Phoenix again, uh, starting next week, which is one of the markets we're number one overall in. So, weather should be good. I'm already checking. Uh, I think the Kansas City Chiefs are going to beat the Philadelphia Eagles. Patrick Mahomes will win a second Super Bowl, um, and I can't wait to be out there. City of the uh, Valley of the Sun should be a lot of uh, a lot of fun.
4: All righty, save yourself some money this year and move your cell phone service over to Pure Talk, which is the company that I rely on every day. Pure Talk has cell phone service just as good as whatever you might get from Verizon, AT&T, or T-Mobile. And that's because Pure Talk uses the same networks and cell phone towers, giving you great nationwide 5G service. But Pure Talk does it for much less, just $30 a month. And when you switch over to, say, $50 or $60 a month, you'll be signing on with a veteran-owned company that employs a U.S.-based customer service team. Get fast data, talk, and text for just 30 bucks a month. Keep your phone, keep your number, and switch over in as little as 10 minutes. Plus, Pure Talk has a first-month risk-free guarantee. Try it, and if you're not completely happy with your Pure Talk service, you'll get your money back. Dial pound 250, say Clay and Bach. You'll save an additional 50% off your first month. Again, dial pound 250, say Clay and Bach. Pure Talk is simply smarter wireless. Helping you separate truth from fiction. Fiction.
0: Free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to
5: start listening. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's Rappaport's Reality Reality Podcast. Podcast.
6: We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room.
5: We're talking tea, we're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today.
1: Every episode will feature interviews with the biggest actors, directors, writers, and producers behind your favorite films and tap into the history of Latinos in film. Listen to more than a movie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
4: So when he's not telling you to get ready to switch out beef, pork, and chicken for crushed bug powder which is one of his favorite ways of of trying to uh, save the planet for the future. Um, When he's not pushing yet another round of mRNA vaccines, new and improved, uh, Bill Gates is wandering around doing things for the Gates Foundation, spending a lot of the money that he made uh, to build software in the 90s. And, you know, he was, I remember the richest man in the world for quite some time he is not any longer but he was the richest man in the world but there is this thing that that does occasionally come up clay uh that people still notice which is that bill gates definitely spent some time this is on the record with jeffrey epstein uh many times actually they they spent time together Bill Gates was asked about this recently. Uh, this is what he said. Play 24.
2: One of the issues that's dogged you is is that of your relationship with Jeffrey Epstein. Do you regret the relationship that you maintained with him against Melinda's advice and wishes?
0: Oh, I've said that I'm... Um, I mean, this is... You're going way back in mm-hmm. time. But yeah, I...
6: New audience. I will say
0: for the, you know, oh, over hundred time, yeah, I shouldn't have had uh, dinners with him.
6: And that you regret the relationship,
2: the acquaintance...
0: That I had dinner with him.
2: And and the relationship between
6: the foundation and Epstein, which...
2: There
4: never was any relationship of any kind. He's a little testy there at the end, you can tell. I just think, you know, look, there's a lot of news stories people are thinking about today, a lot of things going on. We've talked about Ukraine and the border and, and, you know, police and everything else. I still haven't gotten past, Clay, that Jeffrey Epstein, by all accounts... Was running a surveillance and likely blackmail operation of some kind because he had this is just based on the equipment, the video recording, all that they had in multiple residences. I actually just found out from a friend recently that they're trying to sell Pedophile Island now. Like that, that, it's, in the US it's,
2: Virgin Islands, yeah.
4: Yes. But, but they're, they're, they're trying to find, they're like, look. Oh. Yeah. There's this island, by the way, it's very expensive. I mean, it's, it's a, you know, you have to be an incredibly wealthy person to buy this. I think it's actually two islands. Uh, but they're starting to look at, at selling it. And look, you know, I mean, the, you know, I mean, I, I guess at some point someone's going to buy this, raise it to the ground and build something else there. I mean, I don't think the, you know, the, the earth is necessary. Uh, you know, you, you can't blame the island, right? You blame yeah, it's Epstein. It's not cursed. It's, it's not cursed. Exactly. It's not haunted. Um, well, at least, at least I don't think so, but, we never found out anything about any of the people that you would think would have been caught in the blackmail operation. I mean, I, I do think that's a bit hard for people to take. You know, I'm the first person. I love, like, slapping down conspiracy theories. I think they're generally a waste of time. I don't think this is a conspiracy theory. I think there was a conspiracy. I think they very much, there were very powerful interests that wanted to prevent people from finding out just who and to what extent uh, was involved with Epstein.
2: Yeah, look, I'm still licensed in the U.S. Virgin Islands, uh, United States Virgin Islands and Tennessee as an attorney. I went and practiced law in the U.S. Virgin Islands, where, which is where uh, Jeffrey Epstein had his property. And you're right, we've never gotten the full list of who was involved with Epstein, who even traveled to this island. But it didn't surprise me, having lived in the U.S. Virgin Islands, that if you wanted to stay in the United States... But if you wanted to engage potentially in illegal criminal behavior, that you would be more likely to slide under the radar in the U.S. Virgin Islands than probably anywhere else under the United States flag. And he did, right? I mean, he basically got away with flying people into the Virgin Islands all the time. I mean, he had the girls on that island shunted in all the time he had tons of people coming down to visit him it is a beautiful place to live and the island is exquisite and yet we basically haven't heard anything about any of the other people that were engaged in activities that may have been criminal in nature and a lot of those are some of the most powerful men in the world it definitely is amazing that little black book of of of
4: this is consigliere never got out yeah i'm not i'm not buying it you know i'm not buying that this wasn't there, weren't, uh, there wasn't foul play involved. Oh, I think there was
2: definitely a cover-up in terms of all the people that could have been involved in this story that weren't. Don't miss this opportunity if you're a small business owner. We're talking about a way to make you real money. If your business has five or more employees made it through COVID, you could be eligible to receive a payroll tax rebate of up to $26,000 per employee. Now, importantly, not a loan, no payback, refund to your taxes. They have a lot of highly trained tax attorneys who can run through this program for you. Doesn't cost you anything. They do all the work, no charges up front, just share a percentage of the cash. They get back with you. Businesses of all types can qualify. PPP, nonprofits, even those that had increases in sales. Team at getrefunds.com's already returned over a billion dollars to businesses. They can help you as well. Just go to getrefunds.com, click on qualify me, answer a few questions. Payroll tax refund only available for a limited amount of time. Don't miss out. Getrefunds.com. No risk, high reward. Welcome back in, Clay Travis, Buck Sexton Show. I was just seeing some, uh, some news. Actually, we were talking about Epstein, um, and there's continuing fallout in the U.S. Virgin Islands over whether he adequately paid. Taxes and regulatory affairs and everything else down there. Um, And it's a mess. But one of the things that both the United States Virgin Islands and Puerto Rico have, and again, I practiced law for a little while down there. I have not been an expert in this to the extent that I ever knew much about it. I'm certainly not now. But they have, uh, in an effort to try to get businesses to be located in the islands, if you become a citizen, which has spend, you know, whatever it is, 184 days plus one, I believe it is, or whatever the math is, six months and a day, um, you uh, get a 4% tax rate. 4% tax rate. So, again, there are lots of legal loopholes that you have to jump through. You have to be running a business. But that is what Epstein did. So he was getting all sorts of massive tax breaks. That's why he had those islands in the U.S. Virgin Islands. And there are uh, the same sort of tax breaks that can exist in Puerto Rico. And the idea behind them is to get people to bring businesses there because it's hard to have a lot of businesses based there. It's why, Buck, you've seen so many uh, hedge funds go to Florida, but there's also a lot of crypto people, for instance, that have decided to be based in Puerto Rico uh, and bring their businesses there. And it's, it's worth keeping an eye on as those cases continue to play themselves out. I wanted to play this for you. One of the best and most reliable voices uh, on COVID has been Stanford medical doctor, uh, professor, Dr. Bhattacharya. And I think I got his name right there. Uh, I followed him on Twitter for a long time. And I want to tie this in with the Novak Djokovic win down in Australia. Uh, But the doctor out at Stanford is saying the CDC has vastly overstated the effectiveness of the vaccine and hidden public health risks listen to this
1: so when you have a
4: public health authority essentially overstate the case for the vaccines and then this is this is even worse gaslight people who have actually had vaccine injuries and make them feel like they're you know like Going crazy, um, just and while they're suffering through you know some some health condition caused by the vaccine, I think it undermines trust in public health. It certainly does. Yes. It undermines trust in public health that the public health authorities have not come clean with. We are sorry that we were a part of a collective illusion of a totalitarian madness by going along with the or even demanding. The mass vaccination campaign, even for people who didn't want it uh, for masking up, even to this day, I believe doctors offices and hospitals in New York City require masking, um, which every time I see that, I just want to say I don't trust any of you people. Like, I don't think you have good judgment. Why are you doing this? This is a they're even requiring
2: that. In Nashville, Buck, I took one of my kids to the doctor recently, and in order to enter the doctor's office at, this is Vanderbilt University Hospital, you had, Children's Hospital, uh, you had to wear a mask, which, again, is crazy. It makes no sense. And it also makes and and, and begs a bigger question. How long is it going to be into the future until people like Aaron Rodgers, Kyrie Irving, and Novak Djokovic, who are prominent athletes that – ended up taking either major major public hits to their personalities and their, their brand values and or potentially lost tens of millions of dollars in income because they refused to get the COVID shot. We saw effectively a vindication for Novak Djokovic. This time last year, Buck, he arrived in Australia and they effectively kept him from entering the country before saying, hey, you have to go back home because you didn't get the COVID shot. You can't come here. Well, he went down to Australia. He won the Australian Open. He only lost one set. And this is what it sounded like on ESPN, which was carrying this match uh, as Chris Fowler and uh, John McEnroe discussed what had happened. McEnroe is talking, and then he gets cut off by Fowler Listen to this.
4: He got defaulted in the open when he hit the, the uh, the line line versus state. He gets deported out of Australia.
0: Doesn't get any points at Wimbledon. Can't play the open.
1: But his choices, to be fair. He, he, he made choices that led to that. Some of those things. I don't think he, I, I think he shouldn't have committed the play. Okay. Well, that's a, that's a debate. Yes. He, he did make choices that led to that a That's forgot for the moment.
2: So oh, as he's celebrating ah. the win, you hear Chris Fowler come in and say he made choices as McEnroe says he should be able, should have been able to play. And I thought that was interesting because he made the choice not to get the COVID shot. I guess you could say that's a choice, but he didn't make the choice not to be allowed in the country, right? And, and, and it's yes. such a, uh, it's such an, I think he's going to have tremendous vindication in the years ahead as the fallout from these COVID shots continues. And this is actually what bravery looks like when there are true consequences as opposed to rewards. Colin Kaepernick makes tens of millions of dollars because of his protest. Djokovic actually lost them. I think it's pretty significant.
4: Well, he's likely to be, based on majors, the greatest tennis player of all time. Even though he missed out on some majors because of the COVID shot that he would have played in and probably would have won. So it it is uh, a a remarkable stand that, that he took. I mean, to have devoted his life as he has to the sport of tennis and to be in a position to be the greatest of all time, the goat of tennis. And then to be told you can't come into, remember there was even talk of they might arrest him in Australia because his papers were fake and, and maybe he would be prosecuted. Uh, the fact that the U S requires this. What is, what would be amazing is to get some person. You know, this is where you get into that Kafka-esque, who actually supports this? I want one person from the Biden administration to explain why it makes sense that anybody at any time, including now, would be barred from entry based on vaccination status when not a single person would make the case that it stops the spread of the virus without being abjectly ridiculed, as they should be. Not only that, Buck, it's even worse.
2: Yes, it doesn't work. But we're not testing anybody who's walking across the southern border. And as you mentioned earlier, we're now at 5 million illegal entries to the United States since Joe Biden came into office. Novak Djokovic, in theory, could put on a tennis uh, you know, backpack with his racket, travel to the border in Mexico claim asylum, walk across the border, they wouldn't check him for COVID at all, get on a bus in Texas, (laughs) and be driven to New York City and put up in a four-star hotel room just in time to play in the U.S. Open. Now, it's crazy, but Buck, he could do that. He could claim asylum status. He could say that as a European, I'm sure he could find some sort of, of, of tangential thing to grab, Onto and claim asylum. What and if be he eligible, claimed technically to, to play?
4: What if he claimed to be a vaccine asylee? <laughs> what if he claimed that he was fleeing vaccine totalitarianism? Now we've got something. By the way, if I were that immigration judge, I'd be like, Welcome to America, Novak. It's the good old I, US of A.
2: I just absolutely love the idea of him crossing the border. And pointing out the absurdity of, and, and again, he could get an asylum claim. It takes, what does it take, like two years to get an asylum claim uh, verified?
4: You know, just based on the backlog right now, yeah. At um, least.
2: And, uh, and he can't land on a plane, but he could just walk right across the Rio Grande, walk right into the country, get an asylum claim. And theoretically, would he be eligible? What would the USTA do? Uh, would they can allow I, him to I tell play? you something
4: fun, by the way, Clay? Uh, the grammarians out there in Radioland. Whether you say Rio Grande or Rio Grande, the other side will yell at you. I just that's one of the ones I've I get I get emails from both. How dare you say Rio Grande? And I'm like, well, that is it's Rio because Spanish for river and Grande is big. Yeah. And they're like, it's Rio Grande. And then I say Rio Grande and people say, how dare you say the not Spanish? Anyway, I'm just saying you can't you can't please all the people all the time.
2: Well, I don't pronounce anything correctly. So I think they just totally are happy if I get one half. No, it's awesome. They blame right. me.
4: They're like, yes. how did you let Clay say that thing the way yes. that he said it? And then I, I'm like, it don't is your worry, fault, really. I'm, I'm going to call him right away. I'm f- he's. I'm, this we're furious way, that's a good
2: this. that's a good preview for you for marriage, where everything will soon be your fault that goes wrong anywhere. Um, just just prepare. That's the husband. That's a husband's role. It's always your Clay's fault. Been, Raise your hand. Clay's, Clay's me. putting
4: me through husband boot camp. It's good. I'm I'm learning all the things. It's always my fault. I say sorry whenever she's upset, no matter what. There's a whole list of things I'm learning, which is good. My friends, we got to talk about something serious for a second here. Born from the tragedy of 9-11, the Tunnel to Towers Foundation has been honoring America's heroes ever since. The foundation honors fallen and severely injured heroes and their families with mortgage-free homes. This year alone, hundreds of Gold Star and fallen first responder families with young children and our nation's most severely injured veterans and first responders are receiving homes. More than 500 homeless veterans received housing and services last year, and more than 1,500 are receiving housing and services this year. This coming Memorial Day, Day, all of the brave men and women lost since 9-11 in the war on terror are having their names read aloud in a Tunnel to Towers ceremony in our nation's capital. Through the Tunnel to Towers 9-11 Institute, the foundation is educating kids in kindergarten through 12th grade about our nation's darkest day. Join Tunnel to Towers on its mission to do good. Please help America to never forget its greatest heroes. Donate $11 a month to Tunnel to Towers at t2t.org that's t the number two t dot org clay
0: and buck 24-7. Strong and Getty Show to start listening.
5: Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's, Rappaport's reality, reality, Podcast. reality Podcast.
6: We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room.
5: We're talking tea, we're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television
1: Every episode will feature interviews with the biggest actors, directors, writers, and producers behind your favorite films and tap into the history of Latinos in film. Listen to More Than a Movie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
4: I can't believe we're in the last segment here of Clay and Buck today on Monday, January 30th. The time flew by, as always. Thank you for being here with us. And make sure you subscribe to the Clay and Buck podcast. Uh, also... We're putting new stuff in the feeds. Clay's doing long form sit downs. I'm doing long form sit downs. I had a conversation uh, on on uh, what was it last week with Bridge Colby about what would happen if China invades Taiwan. Uh, it was really high level. Bridge is super smart guy. Uh, Clay, who was the last person you spoke to on Winners and Losers? I know you were Miranda from-
2: Divine. We had a really fun conversation. Go. If you've been paying attention, just you know, sometimes Buck and and I know this is this happens to a lot of people out there. You come in like two or three episodes, it feels like, into a story. So maybe you haven't been paying a ton of attention to the details of the Hunter Biden laptop, but you have kind of tried to keep tabs on it. We just did a deep dive on how did that story come to be? How did she write it? And if you've missed out Taiwan, uh, sometimes you can't really have those discussions in eight minutes. And so... Long-form discussions sometimes work very well on podcasts. You can go find them as a part of the regular show feed. We've now got a variety of additional information and uh, and,
4: and information out there that you'll hopefully enjoy. We've got a call in right now from Ron in Florida. What's going on, Ron? Hey, how you doing?
2: Good.
0: Yeah, uh, yeah about 20 years ago, I uh, went to a government auction. I bought some large flat-door file cabinet. Got them back to the office, opened them up, and they were full of classified data. It was the surveillance photos of Cuba during the missile crisis. And I called up the, cause they had the FBI's number in there and the uh, division. I called them up and they're like, oh, we got, we've made copies of those years and years. We don't really need them. Just get rid of them and stuff. So I told them I put them out by the road two days before the trash. If they want them, they can get them. If not, bye bye.
2: So you have, I mean, those might actually have some historic value, you know, just to museums out there. So you buy, this is when, like 2000, you're saying you bought these cabinets? Yeah, around 2000, they were two foot by three foot in size. And it looks like you can make
0: copies of negatives. They were like the uh, plastic negatives, uh, you know, transparencies.
5: And, I told them yeah.
0: it'd be nice if I could have sold them on eBay, but I'd probably get arrested for
2: that. Yeah, so. but so they just told you basically destroy them, and that goes to the point we we're making yeah. earlier. There are fifty million classified documents out there, so yeah. you called the FBI, did probably what you're supposed to do, and they're like, ah, we're not worried about it. Right. Got it? I,
4: you know, it, it turns out. Thank you for calling in, Ron. Uh, it, it turns out that whether the government destroys via fire a piece of paper or you do it yourself, the effect is the same. There's not some super special fire that they use. I mean, we have burn bags, we call them. We put classified information. Shredding is not considered uh effective for classified destruction the same way because it is possible. It's very time-consuming, but it's possible to take shredded documents and piece them back together if you really, really, really want to know. Um But obviously once it's burned, it's burned, so... That would be if anyone out there bought a a chest full of classified documents, my sense would be that rather than call the FBI and turn their home into a crime scene, if they wanted to protect any concerns about national security, I I would guess they would just throw it in the fireplace.
2: This also is why I would bet that I, I, I think it comes back to I think somebody at the National Archives recognized that they didn't have the Kim Jong Un letters. And they knew that that was some sort of substantial historic record. And I would bet that's what started the whole Trump-kept-classified-documents imbroglio, for lack of a better way to describe it. And I still think that something that Joe Biden was keeping, I don't buy that they found that accidentally. I think somebody at the archives knew that Biden had something of a historical record, and they called and said, hey, given what's going on with Trump, we just want you to know we're missing X. But it had to be something to me that has historic value that someone was searching for, because otherwise there's 50 million classified documents, Buck. The average person at the archives has no clue if Mike Pence kept 12 classified document pages, if Joe Biden did, if Donald Trump did. I think they became aware that Trump had these letters, which had received a decent amount of, of media attention, and they knew they wanted them for the historic record, and that's where all of this started. That would be my bet. I'll still point out, even though the FBI supposedly did the search at Joe Biden's house, we haven't seen any photos of the classified documents arrayed on the hood of the Corvette, for instance. They, that missed, a real,
4: they missed a real historic opportunity here because... You just take a pair of aviators lying around because, we know, Joe's got a bunch of those. You put them on the hood of the Corvette and you splay out across the hood some top secret documents and you arrange them. And and then you take your photo. You know, you get the montage going, take the photo. We were deprived of that, Clay, which is really sad because they did. They did do that with Mar-a-Lago. Oh, of course. which does raise some questions.
2: They wanted to give that picture to the Washington Post and everybody else, so they could put it on the front page and say, "Look how cavalier Trump was with these classified documents."
4: Here they are on the floor in Mar-a-Lago. So you, you're, uh, you know, you're the Nostradamus of, of uh, Nashville. Do you think we're going to find out that some of the documents that Biden took relate to Ukraine in a way that Hunter was either using them or there was some connect? Basically, are the documents connected to Biden family corruption?
2: I think so. And and I think that's why you haven't gotten a briefing, really. And honestly, remember, the first report was that these were classified documents involving the ones that were found in the Penn Biden Center in D.C., that they involved Ukraine, England and Iran, if we remember. And Miranda Devine talks about this. And in our interview, I saw her talking about it on Tucker recently, too. One of those emails from Hunter Biden that's incredibly detailed, like a 22-numbered email, seems to suggest that it might have come from classified documents and that he might have seen them and shared them with his Ukrainian sugar daddy.
1: More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia.
0: He has the smarts